0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Craig Bissett about his book, My Worst Hire, and what I learned from it. Craig Bissett, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations
1: Podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with
0: you today. I'm super excited to talk with you. You're joining us from Toronto. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today, we're going to be talking about your new book, My Worst Hire and What I Learned From It. And along with that and and dissecting that, pulling out some key lessons, we're going to be talking about your hiring simulation assessments um, that you also do as part of your work. Uh, So I'm really excited to dive on in and learn more about effective hiring and how we can go about, you know, it's, it's really like one of those, those challenging art forms within organizations uh, that most people do pretty darn poorly, and uh, we certainly can uh, do better. So we're going to get into that today. As we get started, I wanted to share Craig's bio with everybody. Craig Bissett is the author of My Worst Hire and What I Learned From It. He is the founder and president of Higher Results LTD and creator of the hiring simulation assessment process used by organizations throughout the world to experience candidates in action before making a hiring decision. Craig regularly advises hiring teams and senior management on strategies to avoid costly hiring decisions based on a candidate's ability to perform well in an interview. Prior to 2002, he managed and was an active partner in two national human capital firms. Craig speaks regularly at industry events on the topic of human capital and how hiring teams can manage the risk of a costly hire. Again, a super important topic. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background, personal context before we dive on in?
1: No, I think you you covered it. Uh, You didn't mention that I'm I'm happily married for many years. That's probably the most important part and great family. So uh, those those are dear uh, to my heart, but uh, the background on... on myself, uh, professionally, is absolutely correct.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. All right, so let's dive on in. Um, talk a little bit about why you wrote your book, um, "My Worst Hire," and what I learned from it. Why and why you framed the title that way, and really, I imagine that that plays into how you lay out the content of your book.
1: Yeah, John. Uh, so we have been running uh, this company uh, I started nineteen years ago. We work with companies all over North America and the business that we're in um, building hiring simulations helping companies manage the risk when they're hiring people we typically work with uh, president ceos senior uh, professionals within the organization and myself or our consultants once we have built a a good relationship up with these individuals uh, they're very open to uh, talk to us uh, about things going on in their organization and it's not uncommon uh, John, over uh, our business relationship for a senior uh, partner director within the company to take us aside and say, you know, Craig, let me tell you a story. Uh, let me tell you a story about one of the bad hires I made or we made, uh, what what it cost us. But more importantly, let me tell you what I learned from it. You know, over the years, we've had uh, many uh, of these stories and I would always come back uh, after uh, meetings with our internal team and we'd all discuss these. And I'd said to my wife many times, there's a book here, there, there's, uh, there, these are really interesting stories. And we talked about this and we talked about this. And then the pandemic hit and our business went John from going uh, 160 miles an hour down the highway uh, to literally overnight. Uh, our business, uh, the the, the brakes were slammed. Uh, clients didn't go away; they just didn't know what to do. So everything stopped. Uh, so I said to my wife, "You know, we got some time here. I'm going to write this book." Uh, so we packed things up, went to the cottage for a couple months, and uh, I and our books written. It's, there's 50 stories in there with 50 business executives from all over North America, some over in Europe. Uh, and I, I started making calls uh, and uh, did the interviews wrote the book and we published it so that's kind of the skinny on on, on writing the book it was and it really great I, I believe that everyone has a book in them one or two and um we're, and i'm just in midst to start in another one as well
0: yeah, that's wonderful. And I, I think your your situation uh, during the pandemic is, is not unique. Uh, many people felt the same thing, the same strain, the same uh, challenge, but also, you know, one of the benefits of it, it, it amidst the challenges, the economic challenges and, and everything um, is time, right? And, and the opportunity to evaluate and to reset and to do things perhaps maybe you've been putting off. And so I, I certainly experienced some of that myself. And I know, uh, many others who have done the same. And in fact, this podcast was uh, really a result of the pandemic. Uh, you know, I was just looking at, huh, I'm not traveling anymore. Um, so I have a little bit more time. Uh, I'm going to have fun conversations with people and put out a podcast. And it's been a, a blast to do. So uh, I, I think that's great that that you took that approach even amidst some of the adversity and the challenges that you were facing. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's get into the the crux of this book, my worst hire and what I learned from it, you interviewed a whole bunch of executives, uh, you tell their stories. uh, And unfortunately, we all have those stories, don't we? We all have those stories of really horrible hires that look great, either on paper, or they interview super well. um, but They just don't pan out. They don't work out at all. They don't fit the organization. Uh, They just um, for a variety of reasons, it doesn't work. And it is super expensive in terms of just all the cost of hiring a new person and getting them up to speed. But then having someone who doesn't actually collaborate and work well with the team and, and all of the the sunk costs and productivity losses and all of that just leads to this tremendous loss for an organization for every poor hire. And most organizations have a whole lot of poor hires <laughs> that uh, under their belt. Absolutely. Are there a couple of the stories from your book that uh, maybe highlight and illustrate this kind of challenge?
1: Well, I'm going to say almost everyone does. And and I'm going to come back, John, to what you said. Uh, What's really interesting, as uh, we spent time with uh, these different uh, decision makers, uh, majority of them had a hard time kind of picking out which story they want to tell us, (laughs) But and and some of them, you know, are 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 funny. Some are sad, and some are pretty scary uh, with regards to the decisions. And uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, organizations make bad hires all the time. Uh, the first story in the book by a fellow named Jim Lawson, a well-known guy, fellow here in in Canada, uh, CEO of uh, some some major organizations, talks about hiring a CEO when he was on the board. Of a, uh, a significant organization. And the, the story and the stories in the book are really short. Uh, and they were d- designed that way, it, sort of more like Soup for the Soul books, where you could get through a story and get to the hiring nugget. Every story has a, a nugget with it, a learning point. But in Jim's case, uh, they were hiring a CEO, absolutely critical that they made the, the right hire for, for, for many reasons. And the organization was going through some significant challenges. And the board actually uh, mandated that they hire uh, someone from within their industry. Um, And that was kind of the key thing they were looking for, industry experience. But what they realized after they made the hire was that they were looking for the wrong thing. Uh, industry experience, and what Jim talks about in his story, it was not the critical component. Because uh, what they ended up hiring is they ended up hiring an individual who had only managed through uh, sort of the ups of the business, uh, growing businesses, never managed through significant challenges. And that was not brought up because everyone was kind of so excited about talking to candidates who were within the industry, who people knew, and Uh, They never got to kind of the the uh, did they deal and can they deal in in challenging times. Hired the CEO and came in and within three months realized that they had made a significant mistake because the 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 uh, candidate uh, who had been hired had never been in those waters before and uh, was was swimming against the tide and having a significant challenge lost credibility immediately with the senior management team and uh, had to make uh, had to make a a change uh, within the six months Uh, but you know it's not only the cost um, to the organization but as Jim said the biggest one of the biggest costs to him as as being on the board and to the senior management uh, of the company is the credibility of everyone looking at the board going you missed this point the person had never actually dealt in some of the issues that we're dealing with and so that uh, is is a is a probably a a, you know the first story in the book but you know we have other stories we have a fellow Matt Regan who's just a young uh, probably one of the top uh, realtors in North America uh, runs a significant real estate uh, company and uh, he was hiring a salesperson and the salesperson that came to uh, his attention was someone that he had actually heard about in the past and knew from his past that she came with some rough edges, but was a very good salesperson. Uh, so he let us guard down, did really not much of an interview, uh, brought this individual on and uh, she became his number one salesperson. However, no one in the organization wanted to deal with her, including Matt. (laughs) And Matt knew he had a problem was when he kind of checked to see who was in the office before he showed up. But the learning point with this and what Matt talks about was that he let this go for about a year, year and a half, because she, she was a superstar a sales superstar and his concern was the financial loss of letting her go. But what he didn't realize was the, what was happening the impact in the organization of this individual in the sense of the fit and the culture within the organization. When he finally made the decision to let this individual go, what he realized six months later is not only did he not lose on the revenue, but actually the organization picked up revenue. So there's many, like there's the stories are all over the place. And uh, there's yeah. senior hires There we have we have hires in here that are executive assistants and the impact of making a mistake at the executive assistant side and all that comes with that. So,
0: yeah. And so you, you highlight, of course, there's the the cost involved uh, of going through the hiring process and getting somebody up to speed and the learning curve and all of those things. And there's also the cost involved with um, just Declining productivity as people can't oh. collaborate and work effectively together. But there's the intangibles around credibility. There's the intangibles around trust, uh, the overall team dynamics, and the culture of the organization that can be impacted heavily by uh, individuals uh, like you described, and and ultimately it can be devastating, uh, to an organization now to, it sounds like to, to, in their, your first example, to their credit, they did recognize it. They did make the change within three months. Of course, that, that shreds your, your credibility, but at least you're able to, to make a course correction. Whereas in the second story, it went on for a year and a half before they're able to make a change. And so, uh, a lot of those, um, impacts are, are already, you know, taking hold. So the, the point is, you know, we want to make better hires in the first place. If we make a poor hire, we need to recognize it quickly and course correct so that we can minimize the negative impact. Um, but h- how do we go about making better hires in the first place? Because it is such a hard thing. And I I, I truly believe it's it's kind of this art, um, this this hopefully a science-informed, data-driven art. Um, and, and so many people just leave the the data-informed science piece off, and they, and, and they, so they just end up making a whole bunch of really poor decisions. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: Well, John, I, you're I, you're absolutely correct. Um, you really uh, the... I would say the main reason over the years I've been in this business for a long time and we've worked with, you know, and that's kind of the key component of our hiring simulations and why we design the hiring simulations, but emotion is your enemy. It's the one that has to be checked uh, with regards to hiring uh, because uh, we have a very difficult time parking the emotion, liking or disliking. or making a judgment too quickly, liking someone too quickly. And what we end up doing consciously or subconsciously is selling the candidate on the opportunity. So we go from discovery mode of going deep and trying to understand who that candidate is to consciously or subconsciously trying to sell that candidate on the opportunity. So you now have this emotional um, element that is overplaying logic. And the way you deal with logic is through numbers and through data. And uh, the more data you have, the more time you take, the better you understand the candidate. Uh, But the uh, that this emotional and we have I tell you, John, we have story after story after story. of clients, if it wasn't for the hiring simulations would have hired a candidate because they were looking at them emotionally. So our whole business is about helping the client as much as possible. Um, park the emotion and move into logic as much as possible. You'll never get rid of the emotion and emotion's important, but you really have to counterbalance it with, with logic, with data.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe I can just add to that. I think, you know, we're, we're social and emotional animals. Of course, we're going to have emotions involved in decision-making and to pretend otherwise is silly. Like, you know, we, we can try to be 100% data-driven. That's never going to happen. So we we just need to acknowledge where we're at in relation to um, our biases, right? And that's the biggest thing I see when, when it comes to the emotional aspect um, or or hiring on your gut or your intuition is usually that's code speak. To just kind of give you a pass for your implicit biases <laughs> to take hold, confirmation bias—you you end up look—you end up looking for the data that supports the decision you want to make Absolutely. and ignoring the the red flags that contradict the, what you want to do. Um, those sorts of things play out all the time, so we need to be fully aware of the logical fallacies and in the uh, the biases that can impact the way we make our decisions. And if if we are, then yeah, we we need to pay attention. To what we 're feeling and why, and if we 're really in tune to ourselves, I, I believe that we can pick up on certain things that perhaps we 're not picking up on in whatever form of data collection we 're doing in re- relation to a decision but if we 're not really thoughtful about it and really careful about it all we 're going to end up doing is having our implicit biases drive our decision making
1: hundred percent absolutely yeah and and you can understand that you you we just we kind of naturally gravitate to it it's uh, you know, John, we have a, a, a story I tell when we first started the business 19 years ago. When we started these hiring simulations, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I started the business uh, really not knowing anything about hiring simulations. I just knew the concept made sense because uh, I, I I ran a company beforehand. We had nine offices. We were in the recruitment world and. We were just having very a lot of difficult times of clients calling back saying, hey, listen, we hired Mary, we hired Peter, and boy, what we saw in the interview and what we had in the, have on the job are very different. And I was at the cottage uh, talking to our neighbor, who's an airline pilot, telling him of the problems that we were having in our nine offices. And he looked at me and said, you know, Craig, in the airline business, when we're hiring an airline pilot and someone shows up looking like an airline pilot and talking like an airline pilot in the interview, he says, we don't give them the keys to fly the plane. He says, we actually take them down the hall to a flight simulator and say, you know what you just told us in this safe but realistic environment, why don't you just show us what you just told us. And I looked at him, I said, that just makes total sense. So uh, we, we designed, we, I, so I left my partnership and started this business from scratch, having no idea if it would work. And we landed our first client very quickly. And, and our second client, and, uh, the CEO had heard from this other CEO of what we were doing, called us in, but the vice president of sales was not sold on this. And long story short, uh, they had brought in a candidate they wanted to run through the simulation. So we designed designed some simulations and I met the candidate in the lobby. And I'm gonna tell you this candidate was the picture perfect candidate for the role. From a visual perspective, they were perfect. They looked the part, they talked the part. And I went and we sat into the simulation with this candidate and the vice president and her team halfway through the simulation, the vice president turned and looked at me. Remember, this is my second client. Turned and looked at me while the simulation was going on. Looked at me and gave me this like this 10 second stare and then turned away. And at the end of the simulation, when the candidate left, the vice president came in, she looked at me, she says, Craig, now I understand what you're selling and i'm saying to myself okay this is my second client like what am i selling <laughs> and she said All right when i met that candidate out in the lobby in my mind she was the perfect candidate for me what i just experienced in the simulation not a fit she said well you and a, you just saved me a bad hire
0: yeah and and it speaks to the importance of whether it's a simulation or or looking at portfolios, or work samples, or like having some sort of evidence of actual behavior and performance is going to be very, very important. And in the hiring world, you know, I, I'm in academia, in, as well as doing consulting work. And in in the research around hiring, one thing is incredibly clear. The interview is the worst possible way to make a good hiring decision. Absolutely. Yet, Absolutely. It's, the, it's the main way that people make decisions usually, right? And the research also shows, you know, in the past, people used to talk about the 10 second rule, you walk in the office within 10 seconds, they make a decision. Well, right now we know it's actually it's a, it's a just a fraction of a second, it's it's a split second that you walk in and people make their initial judgment. And then everything else gets filtered through that initial judgment. Um, and all the biases play in. And then that's why you see someone who you know, they look the part, they they say the right things, and they, they end up getting the position, even though they're going to be quite horrible at it. And so we have to invest in whether it's these simulations, whether it's in other hiring samples or or uh, taking the time to assess those hiring samples or taking time to have people, you know, in group interviews in settings that mimic what they're gonna be doing on the job, unless you can do those sorts of things, you never really know. It's it's a complete crapshoot otherwise <laughs> and and john, and you just hope that on. it's going to work out
1: absolutely i we always say and very much what you said john the hiring process in most companies is broken and it all stems from the interview 100 percent. and again i i could spend an hour talking specifically about that one topic but one of the things that we have to also remember two, well maybe two things is Uh, and it has to do with the candidate. Number one is that um, you're dealing with people's lives here. You have a candidate coming to your office who's 35 years old, three young kids at home, has a mortgage, whatever. If that individual makes a bad decision because of maybe what you've sold them on or you have not as a client done your due diligence, and they come in and they make a mistake, it's not gonna just affect them financially. You can affect their marriage. You can affect them emotionally. I mean, it goes on and on and on on the impact that you can have on our candidates. So we always say to our clients, look, you have to understand that you're paying a lot of money for our hiring simulation assessments, but you have to also understand that our the way of working here is that we are as much on the candidate side as on your side we want the candidate to look under the covers we always say to the candidate look there's no perfect client and we say to the client there's no perfect candidate let's show our warts now rather than later let's understand because yes. there's there's not going to be a perfect but my my other point about the candidate is is that a lot of the good candidates are average at best interviewers they're average at best the um and some of these candidates haven't been on an interview for 10 years now be concerned about candidates who have had five jobs in the last 10 years or whatever because they've been on a lot of interviews and they've probably been practicing but there's a lot of candidates out there and it even is multiplied on the sales side because there's a lot of statistics out there right now that say that some of your best salespeople are borderline introverts some of your best salespeople meaning that they're introspective they, they think they, they they really digest information before they speak uh, they're 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 investigative compared to just you know running off their mouth and like what you would think of a typical salesperson coming in and selling. So if if you're hiring for a senior level salesperson and the person comes in and doesn't quote, wow, you, a lot of these sales uh, directors are dismissing them rather than really understanding who these people are. They, if you ask me, some of the worst hiring decisions are the people that you didn't hire.
0: Well, Craig, it has just been a pleasure. I know the time and I need to let you go here in just a moment, but before we close, I want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, so uh, we work. We're based in, in Toronto, but we we do a significant amount of work in, in the United States, uh, all over North America, some over in, in Europe. But our uh, we have two websites, but probably the best one is at uh, hiringsimulation.com, just as it sounds, and it's uh, it's Craig at uh, hiringsimulation.com. Uh, but you can uh, check us out our, on our website. But I, I would say that, and it, it comes, uh, I, John, the, maybe the last word on here is that, and it really plays into what we were just talking to uh, about, and that is, is that there needs to be a way to level the playing field for candidates and clients where you help candidates really understand what they're getting into what they what they're involved in, really understanding maybe some of the personalities and the mindsets uh, of the team that they're going to be working with, at the same time allowing the client to understand how candidates think strategically and tactically and, and how that how that uh, comes together. You cannot find that through an interview. And you won't find that through references either. You really find it when you spend time together in some some activities, that allow individuals to understand how both parties think and how they engage.
0: Well said. Well, Craig, it has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Craig and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.